Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast. Today we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. The notch flickers behind me, and I watch in awe as my home of the last few months disappears with a single sweep of Herrick's hand. The hill remains, as does the clearing, but any sign of our camp wipes away like sand from a flat stone. We can't even hear the children who were standing there a moment ago, waving goodbye, their voices echoing in the night. Farah muffles them all and, together with Herrick, drops a curtain of protection around the youngest new bloods. No one has ever come close to finding us, but the added defense gives me more comfort than I care to admit. Most of the others let out victorious whoops, as if the act of disguising the notch alone is cause for celebration. To my annoyance, Kalorn leads the cheer, whistling hard. But I don't scold him. Not now, when we're finally back on speaking terms. Instead, I offer a forced smile, my teeth gritted painfully together. It keeps back the words I wish I could say. Save your energy. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Season 2, Episode 25, Glass Sword, Chapter 25. Also, maybe you don't scold him because he's uh, not a child and older than you? And not your responsibility? Yeah. Any one of those reasons. Any one of those reasons. Take any of them. Hey, Mare's being a downer here. Right? Hey, guys. No way. Does she not understand the importance of your troops going into battle with high morale? No. Like, (laughs) is she just expecting them all to sit on the plane and be like, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to (laughs) die. Guys, guys, we're going to die. Yes, she expects everyone to have the exact same mentality as her. Right. It's all the time. Oh, my gosh, Mare. How many times do you think Kalorn has done something like this when you haven't been with him? The things that he did with the guard that she doesn't know about. Right. You know, it, she's like so intent on micromanaging his life. <laughs> right. It's like if it, if it didn't happen around Mare, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. It's crazy. Mare has the worst, like narcissistic kind of i what's the word i'm looking for there's a term for this she's not arrogant she has protagonist syndrome what she does she's not arrogant as in she she thinks the world revolves around her but not in like an arrogant way like where she's stuck up just more of an a she really doesn't think that if it's everything that's happening to her is she's the only person that's ever been yeah in this situation she's the only person right. that's ever had a tough situation <laughs> she, or been about to die right she kind of doesn't have object permanence sort of <laughs> right. like once it leaves lack of object permanence lack of um awareness of where you fit into the world just spatial awareness like around right. you but then yet despises herself all at the same time so the world revolves around me, but it's a crappy world that nobody likes anyway. Right. Right. And I don't want the world revolving around me, but it just does, okay? Right. I didn't ask does. for this. It just revolves around me. I didn't ask to be made the sun. I just am. <laughs> I'm at the center of everyone else in the right. universe. No. You're not. <gasps> oh, Lord. She kind of does think of herself as the sun. Now that I'm thinking about that, it works a lot more. Everything revolves around her. But don't look directly at it. Right. <laughs> Most powerful thing in the world, but harnessed for now. So. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. She, she's very, very, very annoying in these chapters. You guys want to hear very me clank annoying. my glasses against the. <laughs> against your pop filter a few more <laughs> the times? pop filter a few more times. <laughs> I don't do it on purpose. I have big glasses. She is very annoying in in these chapters, and uh, but you know, <laughs> right? Uh, but I kind of also it makes her a real character, though, at least, and not just a altruistic kind of not. You know what I mean? And I, I, what do they call that when you have a just a character that's like just your norm? Your 
stereotypical, not just mm. your stereotypical hero. Right. There's right. a lot more, you know what I mean? So there, that's good, but God, give us a break every once in a while, Mayor. <laughs> yeah. Normally, I would be like, hey, at least in the next book, we start having different points of view, but the problem is one of those other points of view is Cameron. Cameron. Yeah. Right. We haven't got to that yet. So that's not good. No. I don't like the other one much either, but we're not going to say what that is. Right. Yet. We'll get there eventually. <clears throat> you got to hang on for the next book for yeah. that. But yeah, well, she just, instead of like, you know, thinking about how they've come up with this great plan and uh, they've got the drop on them. Instead of her going over all the advantages in her head, she's just going over and over all of the ways that this could go wrong. And, you know, she's like, I cast one last look over my shoulder. It might be the last time I ever see it again. You know, It's just like, oh, my, oh my God. Yes. So depressing. If you go into this thinking you're going to die, guess what? You're probably going to die. Right. Maybe you should be like, oh, we're all going to be together. And, right. um, you know, wait for the end. Right. Hang on to the end of the episode till we get to the last chapter, but, or till the last couple paragraphs. But, you know, this is the time when, if she was more experienced in this, she would know that you need to be, even if you're lying to yourself, you need to be psyching Positive yourself up. up. Right. Exactly. Just some sort of positivity yeah. in this situation. Also, you got to go in with momentum. How many people other than her are, are going to be going on this mission? Ten. She, right. She's acting like she's the only one that right. could possibly die here. Yeah. You don't think they all have that same feeling, but they're not sitting there sulking like a right. little, <laughs> little <Like>, wiener. <laughs> like, let's break it down. What would happen? You just, maybe. Just for a second. What would happen if Cal died? Yeah. Right. And not Mare. They lose a pilot. Mm-hmm. They lose a trainer. Uh-huh. They lose a bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. They lose their military strategy. Military strategy. Yeah. What happens if Farley dies? Oh god. They lose their smuggling connections. They lose all of the information about the underground. They lose the connection to the Colonel and the Lakelanders. They lose Farley. Thank, well, thank right. Her personality. Thank would crush shade. You know, right? all of this other stuff. But no, she's the only one that if there was a if she died, that's the only thing that's gonna right. mess it up. No, it's like, oh my god. I actually think the thing that would mess it up if she died would just be the lightning girl's dead. How does that affect the overall people who just kind of root for her? As now she's thing? a martyr. Right. Well, that's true. And if you have Cal who's still fighting against them, suddenly he becomes a, a, a hero for Reds even because right. he's the silver that's standing up to them fighting for her. But if Cal dies, this is how He's good, a hero. Think it, right. Think of how good of a military strategist he is that Farley, who's the one who strategized everything prior to this, just is okay with handing, with, it, over. With handing yeah. it over to Cal. Yeah. She trusts him. And Farley doesn't swallow her pride very often. No. no. But if it's what's best for the mission, she will. Yeah. But I no, mean, this is all about Mare. Right. Guys, this is all, all about, about Mare. Mare. I love how she's not even thinking about Kalorn. No. No. Like, it's, there's, no, there's no thought that Kalorn won't make it back. You know, she, it's, it's her. It's only her. Yeah. Well, and then she's like, and maybe a few others. But I'm definitely going to die. <laughs> a few other people probably too, but, but me, me for sure. But F them. They're not me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Huh. <laughs> so oh the the person who is trying to pump her up is Shade. Shade. Comes up to her, her and is like, hey, we've got a plan. This is going to work. This is worth it. You know, all of these things he's trying to go in with some. We're doing the uh, right thing. Yeah, we're doing the right thing. Yeah. He's trying to go in with some encouragement. She looks at the hand that he places on her, comforting oh her, God. and notices that his fingers are crooked because uh, in one of the recruiting missions, a strong arm got a hold of his hand and crushed his hand and broke a couple of his fingers. And she said that takes her back to another barrow that was broken because of her. Oh. Girl, please, I'm begging you. Learn optimism and, you've <laughs> got to learn how to lie to yourself just right. a little bit but let's also not she just learn how to lie to herself in a positive way because she knows how to do oh, it in a negative way exactly taking responsibility for things that aren't her fault neither one of those things are her fault shade's a grown-ass man who decided <laughs> that he wanted to be part of this exactly and help her got, right he was doing this before she even knew what was going on yes and then 
Giza. It was also not her fault. Yeah, that was not right. her fault. Giza, that was Giza's fault. No one told fault. Giza to try to steal. She doesn't exactly. do that. Exactly. She took that upon herself, and she got caught. But like, Mare has to be the martyr in her own mind. Every yes. party needs a pooper. That's why we invited Mare. Yeah. And also, nothing can ever be someone else's fault. Mare has the opposite problem of some people. Instead of blaming everybody else for her problems, she blames herself for right. everyone else's That's problems. Correct. That's why she's the, she's an interesting narcissist because yes. the world revolves around her, but it's a crap world and right. she hates it. Yes. And it's if, very if weird. She could only get it to revolve around somebody else, I'm sure it would be much better. But she can't do but that she because she that. wants it revolving right, around her. She wants it revolving yes. around her. I want everything to revolve around me, but I don't. But I hate it. Right. Right. I Look at me, this. but don't. Right. Marry me, but give me space. I don't want this, but I do. <laughs> right, exactly. Marry me, but give me space. She's Jon Snow. I don't want it. And then, like, angling for it. When right. You're saying that you don't want it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> but she kind of starts to push through a little bit, you know, when Shade is like, this is worth it. She's like, oh, you're right. You know, you know, she's thinking to herself. John said that this is the only way, and you know we can't leave the new bloods right. to become puppets for Alara. I think isn't she even like even if it, I didn't believe John, I know it's the right thing to do right. because we can't. Leave I know these, in yeah. my heart, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So blah, she, blah, blah. so yeah. she does. She only because Shade happens to mention that he thinks this is going to work and that it's worth the effort. Does she be like, okay, maybe you're right? It's like. <laughs> this is going to last for about 3.2 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We have a mutter here. She just, yeah. she mutters. It's like a murmur you. and a mutter, I think, in this area. This part made me laugh, even though this be the beginning of this chapter is such a downer. <laughs> because she looks over to Shade and she says, in the darkness, he looks like our father. And I thought to myself, well, in the dark, everybody looks the same. It's dark. <laughs> right. I look like your father in the dark right. mirror. <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to be like he... In this low in this light. dim yeah. light. Yeah, yeah, I can see where he resembles our dad. But the way it's... it's, it's in the darkness, he looks like our dad. Right. It's like, well, when it's dark, everybody looks the same because you can't see anybody. Daddy, just, is that you? Farley's like, no, it's dark. <laughs> Come on, Mayor. I just... Uh, it was pretty funny. It was funny. Like, it could have been written differently. Like, in this dim light, I see his resemblance to our father right. or something it's, like that, you know. but I think that's what you're supposed to take it as. It's, it's supposed yeah. to be written in, like, a more poetic way, but it's like you know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I, I guess. I guess I'll take I that. I just thought it was funny. It was th funny. They, like, make note in the line before about how little moon and light there is. And right. It's like, but in this light, Shade looks like our dad. <laughs> I guess it's like the very little amount of moonlight and like all the shadows and, and stuff. Well, even again, right. pretty much anyone's gonna. Everybody's gonna look the same. You line up six white dudes <laughs> in the in the waning light, and you're gonna be like, "That's it's a white dude. Could be your dad." It's just like white one dude. of them might be my dad. One of them might be my brother. <laughs> white dude. White dude. White dude. White one dude. White dude. One of them's not Cal. I know that. <laughs> There's no beef in there, so that's not Cal. <laughs> There's not nearly enough beef in these silhouettes. So we could take him out. Probably Nick's too. Anybody else right. is fair game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just it, this book is written so well. These books are written so well that when something that's written poorly like that, it it just or even sticks just a in my weird. claw because yeah. this book is written so well, unlike other YA books that I've read that are all written like trash. Oh yeah. That's exactly. why I didn't start a podcast about them. Started right. one about this book series. Yes. <laughs> because specifically because things aren't written like right. that. You know yeah. what I mean? She finds a better way to say and and things like that. And in and in these these books, one thing that I think has to be said about the writing, which we've said before, is that nothing is like unnecessary. Generally, no, nothing yeah. is coincidental. There's no accidents in how this is written in details that are put in here. Are you trying to say none of it was accidental? Yes. Okay. I see you. Yeah. But. Yeah. Thank you. Mayor could still be just a little less annoying. Right. Yeah. Right. She is, you know, thinking that she's lucky that Shade has the same. She says slant of suspicion, but I'm thinking that it's like a street smarts. 
Yes. You know, able to think quick on your feet. Read the situation and read people. Probably poorly way to put that since Mr. Barrow's in a wheelchair. But Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Didn't think about that until after it came out of my mouth. But you know what I mean? Like, Think on your wheels. Right, right, right. Uh, 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 how improvise. else do you say that? Improvise. I can't. I can't. Easily. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yes. Quick on the uptake. Yes. How about that? Quick on yes. the uptake. Street smart, streetwise. Right. Mayor is the same way. Make like, those hard decision. Make those hard decisions in pressure situations. Yeah. Quick. Yes. Quick, quick thinking. Right. There we go. We got it. <laughs> we did it, guys. We saved it. Two shakes of a lamb's tail. But um, you know, because that is what brought her dad home from the war. Right. I think they said he did yeah. like what six? He went six or seven times. I or think something so. St- yeah. Stupid like that. I was like, holy cow! And he's come home every time. He came home worse for wear, but he came home, right. you know. And Shade, how many missions has he gone out? Always gets hurt, shot. Right. He always comes breaks home. Breaks his leg, breaks his hand, but he always comes home, right. you know. And, and, he's, and, and continually there for everybody else. Right. You never hear Shade complaining, really. Ever. You never hear him say anything about himself. No. You know, he's, he's the opposite of Mare. Like, right, the anti-mayor. He's actually holding things together <laughs> and not taking any credit for it. So, why, so why mayor, you, there's the wind beneath your wings, girl. Wh- right, why, do you, solo. why do you think Farley likes him so much? Exactly. Right. Because he's steady. You can count right. on him. You know, that kind of thing means something to Farley. And also, right. he doesn't always have to say every single downer thing on his mind. Right. Right. Very rarely does he ever say right. the downer thing. Yep. And in all fairness, Mare doesn't say the downer thing very often. We just get this from <laughs> her true. point of view. So we get all of that junk that people don't say out yes. loud. We get their unspoken, yes. her unspoken monologue. Yes. In the next book, when we start breaking into the other points of view, we'll mm-hmm. get their unspoken monologues and find out that they're all just as annoying as well. <laughs> So, right. well, not quite as annoying. Cameron and Mare are like, <laughs> but I mean, just because they haven't been the one who's been complaining about their problems that we've been hearing for the past two books, yeah. doesn't mean you want to hear about their problems anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to hear problems from another perspective, not just True. these whiny downer problems. Right. We get somebody else's whole new whine- whiny downer problems. Right. True story. And some of them are actual problems. Right. Actual problems. Actual problems. She's trying to calm herself down and, you know, go over what Shade had said. This is all worth the cost. She's lying to herself. She's finally, you know, picking it up. And she says, she's staring at the helmet in her lap. They all have these metal, polished metal helmets and she can see her reflection in it. And she says that it is both foreign and familiar. So she sees the parts of her that she recognizes from childhood and then all this new stuff added on. You know, you got to think like she probably very rarely looks at her reflection. How many mirrors can they keep probably laying around? So, you know, she probably only gets a glimpse of herself every once in a while. And she's like, you know, I'm Mare, Marina, the lightning girl, the red queen and no one at all. So she's going through all of these different roles that she has to play. Talk about an identity crisis. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, she says that she doesn't look scared. She looks like a stone statue, you know, trying to hold it together for everybody. She's not 17, but ageless. Her hair braided tight to her head and a tangle of scars on her neck. Silver, but not. Red, but not. Human, but not. A banner of the Scarlet Guard, a face on a wanted poster, a prince's downfall, a thief, a killer, a doll who can take any form but her own. And then I added, and so humble. <laughs> what kind Indeed. of what kind of like emo garbage is that? <laughs> it's Mare. It's the song "Bitch" mm. by Meredith Brooks. <laughs> Shout out to the Gen X people that are listening to this that have heard that song. It's like, you know, she's she's going through the gamut here. She's running the running down 
all the line, but constantly making herself less and less and less and less and less. You know, she's constantly minimizing herself. Right. And I think if she thinks that she minimizes herself enough that eventually they'll take her out of the middle of this, but they can't. No, that's not no. how this works, honey. Right. She's been used as the turnkey already. It has to continue to turn oh, yeah. that way. Because she was the final puzzle piece that clicked all this in for Maven and Alara to work out their plan. She is, unfortunately, you know, it, it's a giant cog, but she's kind of the center. She is. Cog, you know, she was the catalyst for all of this. So that's why she can't extract herself from it. And I get it. You know, she was very public face of the measures and all that kind of stuff that has reverberations down through the world. But she also refuses to give anybody else any real say or power. Right. So, you know, she just makes decisions and then it's like, and that's, and I, I said it, so that's how it's going to be. Well, you're kind of making it impossible for anybody to challenge you. Right. So do you feel like these people are with you because they want to be or because you really haven't given them a choice? Yeah. You know, when it comes down to it. It's true. But we've got a lot to get here, to get through here. I'm nitpicking, I think, but. Yeah. No. She's just really angering me in this first part. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's such a big undertaking. They have such a big thing to do, and they've come up with a really great plan. And she's wasting all she's this wasting time all this, she's being negative. Yeah, telling them, save your energy. Well, she's using energy on herself, too. Oh, yeah. She's Whether so or not she under, yep. understands it. She's just harboring the negative energy. When you're stressed like that over something? Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of bonding with the people that you're going to go do this thing with and and having that camaraderie going and teamwork going into this, right. she's isolating herself. We do also find out that Cal is doing the same. He's flying, of course, but he's also, you know, purposefully not really talking to anybody. Oh, yeah. He doesn't know who he's going to come across in this situation. Right. You know, probably his uncle is going to be there, his last living family member that we know of. There are going to be other Silvers. I mean, other than Maven. Right. There right. are going to be other Silvers he may not know personally who are going to see him and have a reaction one way or another. Right. Because of who he because is. Because of who he is. Is he going to have to kill anybody? He already said he didn't want to kill Silvers. You know, is he going to have to kill anybody by the end of the day? So he's not the only one, go or Mayor's not the only one going through it. Right. You know, Cal is also going through it, and she just takes forever to recognize that. She needs to get through all of her own going through it. Yeah, she first. needs. She needs to uh, get home and unpack all her baggage, right? So she can move There's on. No one packing right. that baggage. Nope. She brings up two things that they're lucky for: that the Black Run is big enough to hold eleven people, and that all the extra weight doesn't slow them down. Quickly, two <sighs> fantastic advantages right there that she dismisses within one paragraph and then just, like, throws away. Right. And goes back I, to complaining. I love that she's, like, I mean, like, I expected all of this extra weight to slow us down. It's, like, you know how jets work? Right. It's not. Not really. Not right. really how she they it's, work. Yeah, it's flying. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, the first thing I thought when I read that paragraph. I was, like, girl. The huh? jet itself weighs a few tons, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure. Yes, and it, it flies. It right. I think it'll be okay I, with I some think extra it's baggage. Fine. Eleven people could be what? I mean, at most a ton. Yeah. If they're all like that's if they're all the Minnesota Vikings or something. Right. You know? That's if they're all like swole. Right. I so if we so, had eleven cows, right. It would still be fine. Yes. The 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 thrust is still going to overcome that. Oh yeah. You know, she doesn't have to worry about that. But and then not what she's thinking about. And right then now. even in this paragraph, she's like, "We're actually going a little faster than normal, almost too fast." And it's like, "Girl, you were so close." Don't take so long, but I don't want to get there yet. <laughs> it's a shame that we're not getting slowed down, but like. We gotta slow down, if guys. She, if right. she keeps talking like this, one or two of those people are just gonna open that back door and jump just out. Kick her out. <laughs> or kick oh, her yeah, out. Kick her out. <laughs> I was gonna say jump out. I'm I tired. can't take it anymore. Uh, 
she she'll be on like, herself. oh, that's on me. That's yeah. my fault. Yes, my fault. this one is your fault. Those people do. This <laughs> yes, one is this your one fault. Is yeah, indeed that, that your blood fault. is on your hands. Sorry, go ahead. Definitely on her hands. She craps on herself a little bit more here by saying that Cal is looking at all the instruments, flying, you know, all the stuff he has to pay attention to. She's like, I haven't learned any of it, even though I've been sitting here next to him every day watching him fly this thing for weeks. <laughs> haven't picked up a bit of it. I was a crappy yeah. student then. I'm a crappy student now. Watching him fly. Say right. It. She's just staring quotes. at him. She's, she's right. like, I don't know what any of those things do because they don't have green eyes <laughs> and put off heat when I stand next to them. He looks over at her. He's like, were you, were you asleep? She's like, no, why? Were you a little drool on your mouth? <laughs> she's oh. like, oh, sorry. But they're not a swole space heater. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it's also warm up there, yes, good point. Right. So she's just like, mm. yeah, she's not paying any attention to the no. to the gauges on that plane. Mayor, I'm trying to she fly this says, thing. Get off of me. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Oh, sorry. She's like sitting on his shoulder <laughs> like a parrot. Like, Mayor, get down. <laughs> down, girl. Sorry, sorry. She's wrapped around him like a python. Yeah. She says that she only knows shortcuts, how to cheat, how to lie, how to steal, and I only know how to see what people hide. Oh, and I know how to see what people hide. And right now, Cal is certainly hiding something. I don't know what, but he's hiding something. Contrary. Sorry. Contrary to my previous statement, I don't know exactly what he's hiding, but it's something. Right. Right. He has to be, because Mayor. Right. Well, she can just tell when he withdraws like that that he's up in yeah. his head, I think is what she means. That he's not he's not gregarious Cal. He's not, you know, going into fun guy mode. He's not going F- finger gun Cal. <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, hey. Um used car salesman Cal. He's not he's not going over strategy with them or anything like that. You know, he's pretty stoic. And that's that's not typical for Cal when they're on their way into battle, I think is what she's kind of getting at. Yes, agreed. But she knows that whatever it is that he's hiding, that it's not harmful to them. You know, like she doesn't think that he's planning on deserting them while they're there no. you know, or jumping sides or turning them in or anything like that. So it's just a mask that he has to put up because, you know, he can't show them that he's worried about what's going to happen. Right. And he's worried, as we talked about, he's worried a lot about what he's going to have to do because he doesn't want, I mean, they got to look at it from their point of view. They're not going in where there's a bunch of reds and possibly having to kill a bunch of reds. He may have to kill some silvers. That's weighing on him. Right. He doesn't like to have to use his ability in... With malice. Right. He doesn't like it. And no. he won't do it unless he's he's pushed to the edge. And he knows the situation is going to push him into the to the edge. And he knows he's going to have to cause a lot of destruction. And he doesn't like that. And he also, you know, is he doesn't know what he's going to find there, who he's going to find there. Right. What condition. You know, there's so much about Cal that we don't know. His whole life that he lived yeah. before. You know, he's probably thinking... I know some people from my time when I would sneak out of the castle that were vocal against Alara, that were vocal against all of this stuff. And maybe some of these and people are there. And maybe some of these people are there. We There's so many levels to Cal that we don't know because we don't, again, we don't get his point of view. We don't get his inner monologue. Right. We just get Mare reading off of him, you know, and he's doing a pretty good job of putting a mask on. Right. And, so, and we he knows Julian's probably there. Yeah. And what what's happened to him? Right, and maybe to some of to if you read the book, you he he wasn't hostile towards Julian, but they were just kind of cordial, and that's about it because of all that transpired. But when he found out one hundred percent what happened, mm-hmm. you got to think Cal's now also thinking I wasted all that time that it could have been close, that it could have been yeah. close to him, and now I need to get him out of there. You know, what I mean, there's so much, yeah, right. that she's not picking up on yeah and then she thinks will he leave the same way he went in will he leave at all hey you're thinking about somebody else congrats Ah, there she is there's our downer mare (laughs) yep knew we could count on you girl Mm -hmm. 
Farley's in the back playing with the guns. <laughs> okay, can I just say time she's back there recocking and loading all of the guns. Right. Farley in my chap Farley in this chapter is my my favorite thing ever. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> she is hilarious. She's just ready to go in and kick some booty. That's mm-hmm. all she cares about. She's going to flatten this thing. See, that's the kind of attitude you have to have right. going into it. Mare thinks that that's just the way Farley is, but I guarantee you the smiling, long-haired Farley in that picture with her family did not have the same attitude that this Farley does. She was no. not back there reloading all of the guns and sleeping with a knife holstered to her leg. You <laughs> no. know what I mean? Right. You have to learn how to adapt right. to your surroundings and do what's necessary to survive. Right. And so far, she's done. Mare's done all of that while whining about it. So she thinks she can keep on whining about it, and that's going to keep her alive. Right. And Farley's been through some stuff that we clearly don't know about uh, yet. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Because we can tell by the picture and then what she has in her life now. Right. There's a lot of things we don't know about Farley. Scars. Right. Mm-hmm. Her, half so, her family's dead, and trust, her dad's right. eyes all messed up. You've got to so. know there's crap Something going happened. around in her mind, too, but she's just not letting it show, and right. she's not letting it affect everybody around her. Right. You don't have to constantly make your problems everybody else's problems. And Mare, Mare yeah. thinks that because all of them are involved in this situation together... That she has to have, you know, that that her problems have to be everybody else's problems, too. And that's not the case. No, that's the worst thing you can do in this situation. Yeah. Shade goes back and tries to help her, you know, line out all the guns. And she bats him away. (laughs) You know, like, honey, stop checking the guns for the millionth time. And she was like, you know, this is how I get out my OCD. (laughs) Like, that conversation takes place between them yeah. without them actually talking. This is how right. I cope. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like cuddle fighting. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's like, he's like, you don't have to do that again. And she's like, um, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. For the millionth time. Yep. You got to you gotta pull up both your batting gloves and you got to touch both your elbows and then you got to kiss your fingertips, touch your heart and point to sit. Point exactly. to this guy, and that's how you hit a home run. That's that's how she gets through because she does. This is what she yeah, does. Does it's the a same routine. thing. Over she does and over it over and over, and over again. and this is how she gets ready for it. Exactly. Everybody is doing their pre-battle ritual, Inc- except for Mare. No, Mare is because well, it's just a pre-battle yeah, ritual, right. being a downer, pretty much, and and catastrophizing the entire situation. Yes. Not like, the most. How can this go wrong? Not the most effective pre-battle no. ritual, but it's still hers, right. and I respect it. Kind of. If only she was like Doctor Strange and could go through 17 million <laughs> possibilities that fail. That would be yeah. perfect for her. Yeah. She's like, I've seen this fail 17 million times. It was glorious. <laughs> well, how many times did it work? Just once. It was awesome. <laughs> it's great, though. Let's hope this is that one time. Right? Where, <laughs> where everybody else would be like, oh, my God, it failed 17,000 times. She'd be like, it failed 17,000 times. Woohoo! I love failure. <laughs> That's just what it makes me think of. She's such a downer. Oh, she, she really is. is. She yep. is. They were able to get a whole bunch of this smuggling done through her contacts, like I said, and Krantz, who also had several smuggling contacts as well. So they were able to basically gather a Waco-type stockpile of weapons to be able to go in wherever they're going. Now, of course, they can't take all of that on the jet. I'm sure they had to leave some of it back for the people that are there with the kids to be able to protect what stays back. And, I mean, how many guns can you really need for 11 people? Remember, 22. At least. (laughs) 33, if you want them to each have one on their back. Remember, one of them is Farley. Right, she's going to leave like seven. 23. (laughs) 22. Wait, one of them's Farley? 23. Because <laughs> she'll carry one more gun than everybody else. What's funny, and okay, not to bury Mare as I pick up my shovel. Right. <laughs> she Throw one, it over your shoulder. Right. The one thing that, she, that kills me about the, her whole complaining is she does the least. She just makes decisions arbitrarily for everybody. Cal does all the planning. Right. Farley and Krantz get all the supplies. Kaloran gets all the hunting. She does literally nothing. Right. It's like, chill a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is on me, but I do absolutely nothing around here. Yeah. Right. Look at me, but don't. Right. Exactly. Is that going to be the title of this episode? I don't know. 
So it's it's a, it's in the running. It's a good one. Last week was marry me, but give me space though. Mm-hmm. So I can't have something that's too close to last week's. So she's got um, nothing but her lightning. She doesn't want a weapon when she goes in. But she's looking around at everybody else, and they've all got their weapons of choice. Okay, so 21. (laughs) (laughs) No, 20. Oh, yeah, no, no, 21, because Farley has three. (laughs) Right, everybody has two, Farley has three. Right, Right, so 21. (laughs) There you go, yeah. Yeah. Got it. We figured out the math. Nyx has, like, this big spear that he's been working with for a few weeks, and, yeah, just sitting there, are we ready to go? <laughs> Let's go, you guys. And, and Darmian, the other, uh, invulnerable dude, uh, has like a big, like, cleaver machete type yeah. situation going on. Uh, but because I'm, I'm struggling somebody... to imagine the size of this thing. Cause it's like, if it's like a cleaver, then it can't be that long. And like, it, I I I, <laughs> I kind of see it in my mind as a big old machete, machete like Jason type. walked yeah, around yeah. with mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. Not not an in. This is not an individual a butcher's cleaver, right? Like an individual butcher's cleaver. This is like a hunting cleaver, you know. Yeah, it's more similar to a hatchet, yeah, that's but what I would probably think. like a thinner blade, so it's able to. Yeah, right in between the fourth and fifth ribs, just like that. Cameron even has a knife, but Aww. she does not, it's evident she does not want to use it. You feel really bad for Cameron in this chapter. If there was ever a chapter where I was going to feel bad for Cameron, it's other than one. the one where she was forced against her will to go with these people she doesn't know. It's this one. It's, it's this, this one. Because <laughs> she was super annoying in that one. This one, she doesn't really do anything but shake and she just do what they tell scared. her to. Yeah, can you, she, you can tell she's petrified. Can you imagine that she somehow didn't know she had an ability, somehow was able to escape from there, and now she's going back? back. Yeah, four days later. Mary even says, if I went back to Archeon, I would crumble. But yet I'm going to make Cameron do the exact thing. Like, this would kill me, but I'm going to make her do it. Spooner. I just, I don't. It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't want to do this, so I'm going to make somebody else live their nightmare. At least least she is like, hey, this would destroy me. But she's doing it. They didn't give her a choice. Mom! (laughs) I need you to chill. They didn't give her any choice. I know, but it's still just like... It's like she is... She's holding herself together better than Mary Better than Mary is. Right. And they did make a bargain somewhat of a, a forced bargain still but they were like hey if you're gonna help us if you help us we'll help you look for your brother so as long as she upholds their end or her end they're uphold they will uphold right. their end because if you're cameron and you've seen what she's seen over the last few days you're like okay this one's a bit of a mess about mayor but what she said Somebody like Farley isn't going to go back on. Somebody like Cal or Kalorn isn't going to go back on. So even if Mare tried to pull the rug out from underneath her somehow, if she doesn't fully trust Mare, there are these other people that she can tell are more steady, more stable people that backed her up on that. So right. the, their end of the deal would probably still be held up. So she's going to go ahead and hold up her end. And hope that even if Mare backs out, somebody on their end holds it up as well. Or if Mare dies, as she thinks she will. Right, exactly. Because everybody's going to go home but Mare. She, uh, all, Cameron also didn't spend any time training with the dagger, only honing her ability. So if she has to work with the dagger, it's just going to be like sheer primitive rage that's going to have to take over. You know, just intuition, because she doesn't know how to use this thing at all. They they catch eyes, or they lock eyes, Mare and Cameron, and Mare can tell that she is not liking this at all. She's replaying getting out of there in her head, and she does not want to be thinking about going back, is. but here she is. So Mare nods to, like, acknowledge, you know, I, I understand that this is difficult for you. And Cameron gives her the nonverbal equivalent of an F.U. The middle finger. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, Where it's I, like, 
and and Mare says her meaning is clear. We are allies. We are not friends. Right. And I I get exactly the look that Cameron's giving back, mm -hmm. but I kind of see for some reason the mayor and like nod as a, almost like the what's up nod you do to somebody. Yeah, like, like we're in this together, and, and Cameron's Cameron just like, like the hell we are. Yeah. Like, I'm not. I can't. No. Yeah. There's 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 me, and then there's all y'all. Yeah. And maybe I might have something in common with that other dude that sits off on him his own that you guys don't seem to accept really doesn't also seem to have a choice in being here. So, right. you know, she can see that there are definitely clicks. And, and I think that was kind of the one thing that I liked when we get to the next book and we do the chapters from other perspectives is that you do see how Mare acts from the outside. And you see how Mare comes across to people. Right. You know, we'll get there when it happens, but I liken it back to what we've talked about before with that scene in The Walking Dead in the episode where Tyrese dies and you hear the news and it takes you a little bit to realize that they're talking about Rick and his group as murdering if they're the, the villains all these of all these. Yeah, and the this, zombies are actually just people that are being murdered. Right, like, yeah. right. This pack of of roving vigilantes that are willing to kill anybody that gets in their way yeah. you know it's so it's the same thing you see in the next book how mare operates in the eyes of other people and that's an interesting look that we don't normally get in ya books either we normally get the inner monologue of the strong female lead and then that's it we don't see her from the other sides and so that's cool in the next book so if you guys if you're, if you're hanging in there with us and you're still the you're still out on whether or not you're going to read the other ones. Definitely hang in there because it gets way more interesting. And also way more depressing. Oh, thanks, Mia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glad they could help. Well, this book's about to get depressing. This book's about to get real depressing. Yeah. Next, She's like... Next chapter, everyone bring tissues and maybe some ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. So she and Cameron fighting on the same side, but not friendly like no however this comes out they're still going to be fighting on the same side but cameron is not forgiving her for what she's done right this is one of those the enemy of my enemy is my is ally my situations ally. yeah exactly exactly uh she's telling herself out loud this will work this will work and uh cal says to her who has the advantage and she says the words like shock sting and then soothe her because that's what Arvin would say when he would pair them up in training. Right. The first thing he would say is who has the advantage? He would stop and he would take a look at the whole situation and then decide, you know, who has the advantage, right. whether or not you can win this. They have planned, Mare knows they have the advantage. They have planned this to where they have the advantage. But she's been you know, catastrophizing in her head, like we said. So, you know, um, she's going back to the times that they've had these big battles and she's heard those words and then they have come out on top when they didn't think they had the advantage. Right. In the bowl of bones, they didn't think they had the advantage. You know, Arvin even said, who has the advantage right, right. before he was killed because they outsmarted him. So... You know, right. they've been in this situation before, and after those words, they have won. So Cal knows that he's going to get this visceral reaction from her from that statement. But then she stops to think about it. You know, who does have the advantage here? She's like, we have Surprise. We have Cameron. We have Shade and Gareth and Nanny and five other new bloods no Silver could possibly plan for. We have Cal, a military genius. We have a cause. We have the red dawn at our backs begging to rise. And she says, we have the advantage. And Cal grins at her. He's like, oh, that's my girl. Yeah. It's She can tell it's forced because it's one of those things right. where his eyes aren't smiling, but he's making his face smile. But at least he's trying to get some morale going. You yeah. know, they're getting ready to go into this thing and he's trying right. to bolster up the troops. And by her... Saying out loud, we have the advantage. He's like, good, you're on the same 
we've got to keep this positivity going page because if you just mope around here, everybody else is going to mope around here too. Right. And he's like, now you get it. Now get off my lap. Exactly. <laughs> I've got to fly this thing. The, the uh, radio comes on. They're mm-hmm. being interacted with by flight command at Koros. Yep. And we find out that their plan is for Nanny to turn into Maven. And they are going to fly into this thing like they are bringing Maven on yeah. the royal transport. So, so Cal is going to fly in there like a royal transport pilot. And they're all going to go in like royal transport Guards. Soldiers, not sentinels or anything like yes. that, right. just royal transport guards. So they think she thinks that that's going to be a good enough disguise. Yeah. And I really don't know how they thought that that was going to work for any decent amount of time. No. Because A, you're not on the right jet. Right. B, you don't have the right uniforms. And C, I. J- is there really enough of you? I I don't think there's ten of you. I right. don't think that based on what how, how kind of how things go down, they had a they have more plans in place for when it doesn't work. Right. But I think that all Cal wanted out of this was to get in the door. Sure. Initially, right. once yeah. they're inside and they're not outside, once on they're the runway, clear to land, yeah, and they all get off the jet. Yeah, and they're all in, inside they're, that front first door inside, go down, where right. the key is. Then, they're then fine. They're okay. that's all they need, yeah. right? So they have to just have a, enough of a smoke screen to get to that point, and and it does work. It it does so, to their credit. Yeah, Nanny, while they're on the plane, changes right before Mare's eyes into Maven, and it almost makes her sick. <laughs> just the sight of, but also of makes Maven her swoon. There, no, I'm kidding. Well, but she says that some of Nanny's kindness comes through to the face, that's right? And the sm- and he gets that. He made the illusion of Maven gets the little smile on his face that he would get when he was playing her. And she's right back there to that boy missing that boy. She thought he right. was that's she's not it's like looking the absolute at, worst thing that could have happened. Right. She's not looking at who Maven is. She's looking at who she, she thought he, he was. Right. 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 And this this what might have been situation that never actually would have ever happened because that was not really who he was. Yes, but she she does say that uh, he turn she turns into a boy with ice blue eyes, black hair, and no soul. Ouch! So she's telling herself right away, like <laughs> I'm seeing him in front of me, and I would remember that if this is really him, he is not a real human being. Right. <laughs> Good lord! Simply Mary. wants to own me for the sake of owning me. She sees the you know of course the crown. Uh materializes there as well and she says she wants to rip it off his head and throw it out of the jet (laughs) i would love to see that happen right it's like mary you can't open the door while you're flying sweetie you would kill everybody (laughs) on the plane but i i know where you're coming i know where you're coming right i get it but like also multiple times the crown is described as like nestled in his hair and i really want to see what that looks like like it doesn't quite fit him right it's like what what exactly does that mean? Hey, listeners, somebody grab a picture of Timothy Chalamet when his hair's all bushy and, <laughs> and Photoshop then- <laughs> a crown on the kind of hanging on the side of it and send and it to send me. It to, yeah. Reading with the Rockefellers <laughs> at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Yes. Everybody else is watching Nanny change like it's some kind of carnival trick. Woo, yeah. They're do all, it again. Right. They're all shock and awed, and Mare is just basically fighting the urge to throw up on her shoes. She and says also she, punch him in the face. Yeah, she feels only hatred and the smallest twi- twinge of regret. It's like, ugh. So she's like, okay, that's great. You look just like him. Fantastic. <clears throat> Good. Yeah, can't even hardly choke anything out. Uh, Cal's on the radio. He says, Chorus Air, this is Fleet Prime. And that is the name of the jet that the king gets flown around on. So it's their Air Force One, basically. That's the best they could come up with? Yeah. Uh, and then the throne approaches. So that's like the, that's what the call sign is. That's the lingo to say to right. flight command, you know, to know that the king be coming. I, I, like, right. I like that. The throne approaches. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. It's like not the king or anything like that. The throne. the throne. It's like 
they they carry the throne around with them. There's just like four dudes that like it's like a litter. They pick it up with the pick it up from the handles and carry it around. It's just a giant throne. Nobody's allowed to sit on it. It's just the throne, you know. <laughs> the throne approaches. Yeah. You can pay five bucks and take a selfie on it. <laughs> five bucks. on the throne. Hey! <laughs> five bucks, really. It's only five bucks. Something like that. <laughs> so- but also because all you have to do is say that and it the jet really doesn't matter. Right. Because I guess he doesn't have one particular plane. Right. So, because I think that's where... Because he's bougie. Well, but that I think that's where they're getting some of their advantage from is that Maven's really new to this. He's only been king for like, what, three weeks, a month, something like that. So he doesn't have all of this crap down. He wasn't being groomed to be king. No. His dad didn't take him on this kind of crap. You know what I mean? He did this with Cal. So Maven is being very immature about the way he's going through some of this stuff. So he's not... They wouldn't be able to do this if it was King Tiberius. Is right. what I'm saying. He was much more routine. Yes. Things had been done the same way for so many years. Maven's already throwing out construction orders all over the place. Yeah. Well, he throws he's a flying fit all if things over aren't the, place. the way he wants yeah. it right. to be. So they, they're banking on his chaos being part of their chaos. And the fact that Maven is so volatile, I think, is what's giving them some things too. Because yeah. if there's even a chance that this is real. They really do not want to wrong him. Right. Because exactly. he's yes. 17 and can easily throw a literal royal temper tantrum. Yeah, and, and very mom, impestuous. And his mom is Alara. Right. right. <laughs> Who's kind of a scary, you know what. So when, but when you say that, when you say Fleet Prime and the throne approaches, nobody's going to argue with you on the ground. Especially there's not no, now. There's no call sign. You right. don't have to call in your You'll jet number or anything like that. They let you land, no questions asked, because this is the king, right? So somebody just says, received Fleet Prime. We, your pardon, but we were not expecting his royal highness until tomorrow afternoon. It clicks with Mayor tomorrow. The fourth day, the day John said that they would die. If they would wait past that day, they would die. So he's right about that. If they would have gone on that day, they would have gotten there the see, same day Maven was I'm there. I'm starting to see a pattern emerging. The pattern is John is right. I'm Mayor telling you. doesn't really like it. I, the John thing, I've got some questions about. And we'll bring those up later, possibly on the side podcast episode. I have some real yes. I have some questions about John and mm-hmm. how he plays because I think there's okay. more to John and what he, why he does the things he does than we know. Well, yeah, I mean he sees so much more than everybody else. So I think he actually does play out those possibilities, right? But I think it's beyond just his ability. I think there's more to play. Yeah, anyway. I know what you're talking about. We'll get there. She knows that if if they would have met Maven the next day, he would have come fully armed and prepared. He would have brought Evangeline, Ptolemus, several other guards. He would have come ready. So the fact that they are there today is what's going to keep them from being slaughtered because they would be no match for all of those people. So again, John was right. John was right about that. Yes. Uh, She waves her hand for Nanny to come up to get on the radio to basically scold uh, flight command if they have any issues with them. And, but she's already there, ready to play the role. And Mare thinks that it's she can feel her skin prickle with quote-unquote Maven standing so close to her. You know, it's just like, the fact, it's not even Maven, but just the fact that it looks like Maven is physically affecting her. Yeah deeply, deeply yes. physically affecting her. It's so romantic, isn't it? Ugh, so oh. toxic. Uh, Sorry. Nanny, as Maven says into the radio, the king follows no schedule but his own. And I will not explain myself to a glorified doorman. Ouch. So exactly the way Maven would have handled the situation. Right. So bo- brownie points there. <laughs> yep. And right. also shutting any argument from the ground down uncategorically 
It's she sounds just like Maven. It's clear that it's Maven. Why wouldn't they believe them? And why wouldn't they plan on being fired <laughs> as soon as right. the plane lands? Right. Like, oh crap, that's really the king. Okay, I'm, I'm now going to poop myself and then go look <laughs> for another job. <laughs> that's how the rest of this is going to go. I'm gonna go change my pants and then, yeah, because they hear off radio a crash, like people. You know, in control, being like, "Oh, oh, oh, crap! The king is here! The king is here!" You know, uh, someone, someone snorts. Fell. Someone fell out of a chair. Yeah, someone snorts on the jet in laughter. Probably Kalorn. To be fair, I would have too. Right, because I always laugh when it's inappropriate as well. So I feel right. you on that one, Kalorn. And um, you know, Cal is like, "Good job, Nanny. That's exactly how Maven would have handled it." And um. But he's he's looking at Maven also, quote unquote Maven, Maven. inverted commas Maven, with just as much pain as Mare. Like well, it's sure. physically affecting Cal as well. Mare is surprised by this for some reason. Yeah. Like Cal wouldn't be shocked at the sight of his brother that betrayed him. Right. Like, I mean, how, right. it's only going to affect her right. because she knew Maven for two months, not right. his not whole his life. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't know her for he didn't know Maven for two months like she did. Right. <laughs> he only knew not, him for and not even the real Maven. Right. She didn't even know the real Maven. Right. He only knew him for like he, he, seventeen years. Yeah, his, his entire life. He was just his brother. He was only there when they brought him home from the hospital. <laughs> Cal says, We will be landing in ten minutes. Prepare Koros for the king's arrival. Whoever the butt kisser at the radio <laughs> on the on the ground says, I'll see to it personal. And then Cal and clicks off like, the radio uh, and just hangs up on him. Like, I don't care. This is exactly what the royal transport oh, yeah. would do. Yeah. You know, we have to handle everything exactly like the king was on this plane. Yeah. Lieutenant B kisser. Right. Or else right. we're going to get busted. You know, they're flying on a very thin razor's edge oh, anyway. Yes. Yeah. So they have to do everything exactly the way they've planned it out or they're going to get busted. He manages a little smile. With that, when he hangs up on the person, like he's finally yeah. got some upper hand and he's kind of happy about it. So that was nice that Cal actually still knows how to smile a little bit. Yeah. It's more than we can say about Mare. Yeah. They land on a smooth runway. None of this chopped up highway crap Full like they've been landing holes. on other places. So it's nice and smooth. They just sat down. Nanny's going to be real bummed <laughs> that this just went so smoothly. Right. Every she likes the exciting flights. Everyone else is like cheering and Mary's just like, I guess we did it. Let's go. Whatever. Done anything yet. Well, you have. You've landed. You've landed. Just right. Something. We're going to have to get through all of this choppy plane ride crap before we fly to Florida in June. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate planes enough as it is. I don't want to be talking about no turbulence while we're getting ready to go. <laughs> No, Mom. I'm not as bad with flying as I am with elevators, I promise. I'm not going <laughs> to freak out on you. <laughs> Your fear of elevators will never not be funny to it's, me. It's not good. I don't like them. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, so it's not a military base. There's not huge hangars like there was at, uh, was it Tuck? Where they yes. had where they had actual, and it took her like five days to realize that they were <laughs> runways. And yeah. hangars. Yeah. Like, oh, what else would they be, Mayor? There aren't cars. But you have to remember, she grew up in a world without Top Gun. So it's not <laughs> like that stuff was obvious right. to her from the time she was little like it was Because if they if they had grown up in a world with Top Gun, they would have been blasting it on the stereo while right. they were flying. Danger right. zone every, every single time. Yes. <clears throat> Eventually, everyone <clears throat> would get sick of it, and then Kalorn would be like, Danger zone! Right. And Farley's Danger zone. second that. Danger zone. Danger zone. Yeah, because Farley's like deep down inside a huge K-Log fan. Of course. Right. Who is it? She'd be an Iceman fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Totes. They uh, all put on their like silver flight helmets, which is supposed to make them all look exactly the same. Black suits, silver helmets, kind of like a Daft Punk concert. <laughs> Very strange looking. Uh, she is, Mare is ready to jump out of her skin. She's pacing on the plane pretty much, waiting to deboard. Farley's back in the back, like 
hovering over the release button. Can we go? Can we go? Can yeah, we go can ahead. we go? Can we go? Can we go now? Can we go now? Uh, Mare has some last minute instructions for Nanny on how to act like Maven. Uh, she grabs her by the arm and she says she even feels like Maven. I Girl. roll. Girl. How do you remember what his arm feels like all this time later? It's just a bony ass arm. <laughs> right? It's like that time I cuddled with a skeleton. Would you run from a skeleton? Would you run from Callista Flockhart, man? But yeah, she just, she cannot get over the fact that this is really Nanny and not Maven. <laughs> She's just so physically affected by all of this. It's unbelievable. Why do I feel like, maybe it's because of how pale he is, but like he, like all of his body would constantly be kind of clammy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the only one that's beginning N- that. No, okay, no, 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 good. no, 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 I, It would be very obvious why you would choose the swole <laughs> temperature and attribute hot right. one. Right, like, right. <laughs> kind of, kind of always Pale, cold. scrawny, skinny and, kid. And like or... a fish, kind of cold and almost covered by like a film of oil. Right. Yeah. That's just how I think he just. Or steak and potatoes over there. Like, right. it's like, mm, <laughs> sushi, steak and potatoes. <laughs> sushi, Sushi's, steak and potatoes. Sushi's not the right word to use. People love sushi. That's true. I don't know what to call it. Unfried calamari, <laughs> steak and potatoes. potatoes. Unfried calamari, steak and potatoes. Like, pretty much everybody's going to choose steak, steak and potatoes. And potatoes. Um, but anyway, her instructions to Nanny to act like Maven are to look through people. Like, don't look at everybody, but don't, but don't really look, look at them. at them. Right. Smile without kindness. No small talk. No court talk. Act as if you have a million secrets and you're the only one important enough to know them all. That's, that's good advice. That's very much the way Maven oh, yes. came, carries himself. I, I like like I like how you phrase that. It's like, there are a lot of ways you could have phrased that, like, you're just higher than everybody else. But it's, act like you have a million secrets and you're the only one important enough to know them all. Right. Because... Why is that so good? Well, I mean, then, what... Tell somebody you have a million secrets, they're going to start instantly thinking of a million secrets they could keep. So that's going to take Nanny kind of out of herself for a little bit and put her in Maven's place. It's actually an excellent instruction because it puts her in Maven's... Shoes and to think like Maven, right. so it was it was perfect. And Cal notices it too. You know, he's given Nanny instructions himself on how to act like Maven as well over the last few days. But this is like you know the last minute crash course. Like, right. All right, we're getting ready to put this plan into motion. Here's my final notes. Um, and she says, "I'm not a fool." <laughs> and Mare wants to punch her. So that's a pretty good sign. Right. I almost punched her in the jaw. Yeah. She did good. She did a good job. She's pulling off Maven. Because Mare has to keep telling herself, he's, she's not Maven. She's not Maven. And then Kalorn's like, yep, I think you got it. Mare nearly killed you. <laughs> I can tell through the flight helmet she's yeah. currently wearing. Yeah. That she almost killed you. You're definitely, definitely pulling it off. Farley, again, ready mm-hmm. to burst out of her skin. Everyone like, ready? Yeah, everyone ready? Let's go, let's go. It's like Cal. a little dog spinning around. Yeah. It's got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're going for walkies. It's time to go outside. It's time to go, go outside. outside. Time to go outside. Uh, Cal yells at them to form up, suit up if it was Cal Stinson. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody suit up. Suit up. Um, uh-huh. And they all, they've all been, you know, practicing walking in a formation. So they all form the lines they've been working on. And Nanny is right at the head, acting like the king. And then uh, Cal fouls right into line next to her, acting the part yes. of his main bodyguard. It says this mission's going to be awesome. Yes. Right. This is going to be legend. Wait, Wait for, for it. it. Dairy. Dairy. And we are going to actually split this one into two parts. We are going to leave it with with Farley's line. Can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. Farley says, let's make some bad decisions. As she pushes the button to open the door. God love you, Farley. Yep. Let's go make some bad decisions, guys. She lives. This is the part she lives for. Oh, yes. Yes. But I bet if you were to ask her, deep down inside, she's scared to death. She mm-hmm. sure is, I'm sure. And every single time she goes into it, she's always scared to death, and that's what makes her a good soldier. It is. and I th- But I also think these are the moments that she, like, 
Mare hates everything. These are the moments that Farley looks forward when they're actually physically doing something because yeah. she gets to give some payback for whatever has happened mm-hmm. to her in her life. And she loves to dish it out. Yep. A hundred percent. The one time she gets to do something about everything that's happened to her. The, the planning and stuff has to happen, but that she doesn't get to do anything right. about everything that's happened. This is this the is part it. that she can control. Yeah. And she is more prepared than anybody else to go into this. Oh, yes. The two guns that they got off the plane, plus the four that she normally carries on her. <laughs> yes. The, the best part right now to six guns, plus the knife. The, yeah. the best part about this is that Farley's, like, smiling. She's like, oh, yeah, let's yeah, do this. Let's do this. Exactly. She is happier than a pig in slop yep. at this moment. <sighs> so thank you so much for hanging out with us on this discussion episode like i said we will be breaking chapter 25 into two different episodes so this will be part one we will come back with the second part of chapter 25 next week that will be the second half of them getting into the prison to start this raid so as always hop on over to instagram find us there we are at reading with the rockefellers you can email us uh, fan art casting idea or uh, fan casting ideas for the series. Um, we are coming up on the end of this one, so we'll be doing at least one fan casting episode. Well, no, probably at least two, at least maybe two. three, maybe three, because uh, we're going to go back over all the characters we picked for book one. We're going to recast all those. Some of them might stay. Some of them might change. Then we're going to do all of the ones that we have picked up in season two, or book two, season two of the podcast. So uh, send those over. The email address is readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. You can hop over to YouTube. All of our season one episodes are available in video format there, as well as our quiz show episode from season one. That channel is Reading with the Rockefellers. And then, of course, there's our website, which is www.readingwiththerockefellers.com. There you can find all of our episodes, our fan art, our beautiful smiling faces, and our blog. So interact with us. We love hanging out with you guys and hearing from you. And we will be back next week with another discussion episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.